Welcome to the Duke Basketball Corner Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Comero. And we now officially have one game under our belts. Duke takes the first game of the season. Uh, actually, I don't even remember. What was it? 68, yep, 68-66 over Kansas, breaking a three-game losing streak to Bill Self. Uh, last three games, as uh, I think uh, I might have mentioned with Joe or possibly C.J. Moore, who I talked to previewing that Duke-Kansas game, uh, it was the uh, the Wiggins game, then Frank Mason hit a game-winning shot, uh, the last one, and then, of course, we remember the 2018 Elite Eight, which whoever did listen to my pod with C.J. Moore knows did not make me happy. So before I get into all the uh, specifics of the game, bottom line, it's good to get a win, at least uh, for me, however it occurred. Many probably look at it as, man, that was ugly. But Cassius Stanley had a great quote after. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but he's basically like, this is our identity. We are going to be tough. We are going to be physical. We're going to come at you. We're going to be aggressive. And again, these aren't his exact words, but kind of um, summarizing. And he's like, well, we're going to get the W. We're going to get the W. So that's all that matters. I think we've gotten so used to these, I guess you could say, aesthetically pleasing Duke teams with these superstars. You can just give them the ball. This is going to be a grinder. So, Joe, all I know is that I'm not sure after the Northwest Missouri State game and now Kansas, I'm not sure if it's a good idea to kind of hear your opinions during games because the stuff that you were texting me, I guess you can expand on whatever you whatever you want. Or you can just say how you feel now, or a little combination of both. Uh, you you want to talk about that? Sure. So I'm I'm what you call an emotional in-game responder. So texts coming from all sorts of directions. Some try to keep me sane. Some try to poke the bear and get me to get a little more fired up in the moment. I. Just my frustration is, I guess, like you mentioned, it's it's just a different type of team than we've had in the past. You know, I'm used to us playing and playing at fast speed and being very good offensively, having this specific go-to kind of guy. So it's going to be – and I did see that quote you were talking about with Cassius about how he said you were going to be very, very, very aggressive or his exact words at the end of it. And that's the team they're going to be. They're going to be in a lot of games. They're going to play a lot of games. Games and Bill has said the same thing. They're just going to be that type of team that's going to play a lot of close games, and you know it's going to be good. But I, I just I don't know if I'm ready for these close games this early in the season. I need to be eased into into the season. So you know, I, I, there's some things that interest me about this team, and some things that that seem to be concerned. So I mean, I'm sure we'll get to those in the future. But just I'm a very emotional emotional in game fan and supporter of the Duke Blue Devils. I guess I guess I mean. That's it. it was just, it was just crazy to read because you call it emotional. I call it like insanely negative. Like um, I mean, emotional. Usually, you would think someone's emotional could go one way or the other. And no. even, like even after it was over, they had won. Your your text to me was, "I just need a shower." And I'm just like, "What?" <laughs> like I mean, they won, so now I would figure like you'd be emotional the other way. But it's pretty much consistently negative. Um, so that was interesting to see because Northwest Missouri State, I guess I could understand to a point because it was just the level that you were basing it on of the opponent. But this, I know it wasn't pretty, but I mean, the bottom line, Kansas is expected to be a hell of a team and Duke sure. came out with a win. However it looked, I think this, you just have to kind of, not, not you specifically, but everyone should reassess how they're going to watch this team. And I thought we went over that pretty well on the preseason Duke preview. And I felt like we understood kind of how it was going to be. And to be honest, I think a lot of stuff I talked about then and a lot of stuff, pretty much everything I talked with CJ Moore about previewing Duke, Kansas, it was pretty spot on. There wasn't much surprising. There wasn't much that surprised me. And even like the one thing I guaranteed with CJ on that pad was it was going to be a brutally ugly game and somehow the first half managed to exceed brutally ugly by like tenfold which I found astounding considering I knew it was going to be like that but wow it was so much more this is just how it is and if I don't know if uh whoever was surprised or what but uh I guess that's kind of almost 
a sort of uh, kind of cheap way to like advertise it in terms of like I'm going to do my best to, t- to project forward and what I see and how it's going to translate and everything. Because if you listen to what I was talking about in the season preview, it pretty much a lot of it, if not most, most of it came, it, it was how it is. So I would say first, before we get into the actual like X's nose games, like how things went, I think a, a big thing that was a conversation point after Northwest Missouri State was nerves, freshman nerves. I mean, we're thinking like if they were nervous and usually it's not made that as public as I mentioned how Kay made it. He talked about it. It wasn't like some secret he talked about how the freshmen just were, were nervous, and the freshmen admitted it after in interviews. So uh, Coach K, after the Kansas game, after the victory, he was actually asked whether he sensed any nervousness out of the freshmen, and he said, I didn't think they were nervous at all. And part of it, we came up Sunday, we talked a lot about it, we were at the Nets facility, went to the Nets game last night, came here for shoot-around, and I felt a good mood. I, I, I didn't know if it would be good enough to beat them, but I didn't think they would be nervous. That was so. That was Coach K's quote. Then um, you have uh, it's just funny because after after the game you have Andy Katz asking uh, Cash Winston, were, "Were you nervous?" He's like, "I'm not gonna lie to you. I was really nervous." And then and then an article came out with by Seth Davis in the Athletic where it just goes down all the freshmen talking about how nervous they were. And this isn't like. Oh, they look nervous. No, this is like the freshmen admitting they were nervous and saying like, "Oh my good, the Madison Square Garden. I dreamed about." So I just just found it interesting. Obviously, they haven't gotten the memo that there's like a company line they're supposed to tell of like, don't reveal anything that could that could present you as weak. But I don't mind it, man. These are human beings. It's kind of good to know no matter what. I think Coach K was just trying to like be strong for them and not and kind of defend them just in case anyone say like you shouldn't be nervous. But it's human nature to be nervous. And I think once the second half hit. Uh, I think they were fine, but uh, so I think that was a big kind of running theme in terms of that the the second and last uh, theme I have is we always hear so much about you sacrifice individual for team. It's all about the team. Five fingers make a fist. All, all the all that uh, some people really embrace all all that uh, that motto. Some people think of it as silly cliches. However you see it. I think in all throughout sports and all throughout life, it's it's about like working for the betterment of the whole, or at least some people feel that way. And uh, we always think that's just how it is. But you look at, at Duke, at least during the one and done era, and there's always been these superstars, and they always preach, they always toe that company line, they always preach team over self. It's always the brotherhood, uh, us rather than me, no I and team, and so on. This team is, I would say, they are going, you are going to watch it in action. Because there is, as I said on the on the season preview pod, there's no Zion, there's no RJ, there's no Tatum. There's no anybody like that who, who can just get buckets. And while you can say it's team over player, superstars are still, they're still going to be able to take control no matter what. Now it's everyone really does have to work together for the good of the team. It may not be... An 11-man rotation like some thought. I mean, I had my doubts about Joey Baker and Justin Robinson, but they might still be in at some point. And nine, it's still a decent rotation. So I think uh, that second and last narrative is uh, in terms of the true meaning of team over self and how, at least in my opinion, that's going to hold true for Duke this season. Whoever watches them, it's like, don't expect all of a sudden there's going to be some alpha guy. I mean, there's going to be guys that can improve and develop and maybe can be eventually a go-to player. And uh, there are some guys who definitely have that potential. But right now, it is really just kind of a, collabor- a collaborative effort. Is, is there anything you want to add to that before we actually start uh, breaking out the game? No, I, I think you're right, though, in, in terms of I was not surprised to not see Baker and Robinson in that game yesterday. It was, but what it was good to see it was just good to see the the Madison Square Garden Jack White back. You know, whatever that that building is for him, he had a nice game, and it, you know he brings the intangibles to that roster. And I don't know, it's, you're right. It's every night, every now, and every night. I feel like it's going to be a different person stepping up for them. You know, in in, in the scoring department. So 
You know, I'm interested to see. You know, I'm interested to see how the how the actual rotation pans out. So one thing I don't know who else noticed this or at what time, but all I know is as it got down to kind of the uh, the nitty gritty of that game, I started thinking like, obviously the talent is less on the court for probably both teams, but this is kind of this is kind of eerily similar to what. How about the last time Duke played at Madison Square Garden? I mean, that was crazy. I mean, when you think about it, last last December at MSG, Duke committed too many turnovers, 19, yet still won because Texas Tech had 23, and Jack White was an alpha glue guy. At uh, MSG, uh, I, I tweeted uh, tonight, but it was yesterday, Duke committed too many turnovers, 16, yet still won because Kansas had 28, and Jack White was an alpha glue guy. So it was very interesting how it kind of played out that way in terms of it wasn't pretty. I mean, Texas Tech was definitely not pretty. And it was just both teams turning it over nonstop, but the other team just turned it over more. But it, it, I found that pretty fascinating, to, to be honest, just the similarities between the two games. So uh, maybe I don't know what that says about how the 2K Classic's going to be, but Dukes is headed back there in a couple weeks. So uh, should be interesting. Think, Hopefully it's a little more... Both. What's up? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just said hopefully it is a little more kind of easy on the eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think both both times are the biggest lead that the other team had was nine in the second half, and when we played Tech and when we played Kansas. So you're right. There was a lot of similarities how that game played out and and how it was Jack White making a play at the end. Both of them. Oh, he made more. Yeah, he made more than one play. We'll talk about. It. I mean, he was just amazing. Okay, so I mean, the first possession of the game. See, I mean, it, it's funny. I mean, maybe I don't know if like it's common knowledge, but uh, Jordan Spurby said it's the blind pig that uh, Ku ran, which is a back door when you get the wing up top and Goldwire. He he looked at the ball handler up top, didn't see it coming. They had an open layup, and as I said, Coach K is really good the majority of time at making adjustments on defense. And that back door that that Kansas loves to use. Immediately, there is an adjustment um, for, for that. I won't get too into the nerdy stuff, but uh, it, it was really good to see in terms of the big dropping off and the guard and the guard moving up. But anyway, I think besides that, I mean, the Kansas spacing was something I said was huge on the on the Duke Kansas preview with CJ Moore. And he agreed. And because we were talking about how you have Bagley and Wendell Carter. Both of them are super skilled, super versatile, and it was still tough to get consistent spacing in that offense. So you have Azabuki, you have uh, DeSosa, and you have um, uh, uh, David McCormick. McCormick, yep. Yeah, I mean, McCormick, he, he shows glimpses of somewhat kind of a jumper, but, I mean, just because you shoot it doesn't mean you'll make it. I mean, he hasn't proven he can make it consistently. I mean, he's the only one who's even willing to shoot it. So there was just no spacing at all. And what Duke was doing was just basically doubling big to big every single time there was an entry, whether it was a post pin or just a basic back to the back entry. And it's just everything Kansas wanted to do was taken away. And when you get right down to it, Kansas ended up with zero back to the basket post points, four points directly passing out of the double team in the post. And four points off the famous Kansas post pin I talked with C.J. Moore about. That Kansas, I mean, they're so successful at it every year. So there is just nothing going on. And when you have those bigs and you're running your offense through that, you're expecting them to be highly productive. But at the same time, they, they're not playmakers. So if you really crowd them and force them away from their comfort zone, like Azubuki, he's not going to make a move with his back to the basket. He's not gonna make, he's not gonna make plays for others, and it's the same with McCormick, DeSosa. I mean, so basically, you're just trying to prevent them from getting right next to the basket, and I mean, it, it really helps when Kansas they don't have the shooters aren't really threatening enough where you have to like all of a sudden worry about closing back out, which is why Kansas not having Isaiah Moss who is really their lethal three-point shooter, was huge. He's st- he's kind of getting over, I think it's a uh, a pulled hammy, something like that. Bill Self actually said he was going to play because he played in the last 
exhibition game, and Self said he was going to get him in on Tuesday. But I can kind of understand the better safe than sorry approach. November, a game on November 5th, you want to have him in the long run. But either way, from what I saw, I mean, obviously I'm going to talk from a Duke perspective plenty. I can't see Kansas playing this lineup a lot because it's just, I mean, I know Self, he played a lot of 3-2 for most of his coaching career on offense, but, I mean, they still, think about those Kansas bigs. They they could all at least shoot the mid-range. I mean, these guys, none of them can shoot. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Either way, I mean, Kansas, the 35% turnover rate was insane. I mean, 28 turnovers is ridiculous. I mean, just the first half, though, they had a uh, 48.7% turnover rate, which is pretty much, like, otherworldly. They had 37 possessions. They ran 37 possessions and turned it over 18 times. That's kind of, like, 18 turnovers is more than any team wants, way more than any team wants to have in a full game. Kansas uh, reached that number in the first half. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. So... How much do you feel like that was, uh, I guess, give credit to Duke? How much do you feel that that was Kansas making mistakes? Um, or is it a combo of both? Uh, how, how'd, how'd you, uh, how do you feel about Kansas offense to Duke's defense? Half court. I, was, I was actually pretty, pretty impressed about how Duke played, how they were pressuring everything in the post. They were doubling everything out of the post. And I think they knew that they weren't particularly a great shooting team so they knew they could kind of all out press I mean um double team the post and po- uh, post touches and stuff so I think a lot of it had to do with with Duke's defense and and, and and how they reacted but I do also think that there are some limitations with Kansas as well so you know they, they don't have great perimeter shooting Dotson did not shoot the ball well um none of their bigs looked anywhere interested in taking anything outside of the paint and you know the fact that they had 28 turnovers and 23 made baskets the fact that we won by two is is almost remarkable for me yeah i mean i think i mean duke was up at like the half and at that point three, in time, yeah. as, as i said kansas had 48 their turnover yeah. percentage was 48.7 again like that's insane um yeah. And I mean, when when you have, I mean, once Duke made the adjustment to the the high post back door, I mean, at, at that point it's, it's like so you lose that, and th- I would think Bill Self would make more readjustments, and I was kind of surprised because he's he's been very creative, and he's more than willing to adjust over his coaching career. I thought he could have done more to kind of confuse Duke because, I mean, Duke was just jumping those post entries immediately. They were bringing over the double bigs, and, uh, I mean, the one, the one defender where I'd say reminds me of kind of the athleticism you got last year with Zion and Cam, which I'm not saying it's exactly, but, I mean, I think Cassius Stanley, he could kind of cheat in different ways. So he's the one player that... He wasn't always in the right place, though I do think he is an exceptional defender as well as a great anticipator on defense. But he would he could cheat and then get back. I mean, in the way the physical the physicality of him on defense. I mean, Cassius Stanley, my uh, <laughs> my my very in depth um, first sentence about him on the uh, season preview, which I actually tweeted. I was like, uh, this first game by Cassius Stanley really hasn't changed my my opinion of him. It was. Uh, I am in basketball love with Cassius Stanley. I said, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to get him a, a Vermont teddy bear. Yeah, he didn't do anything to make me fall out of basketball love with him. And, wow, yeah, I mean, there's plenty to talk about with Cassius Stanley. Because I, what a hell of a, uh, a first uh, introduction to uh, Duke fans, at least in the regular season. So, great job by him. But just in defense, the way he was just everywhere. And I think... People just consider glue guys, uh, players that get stats in various types of categories, and you may not notice them, blah, blah, blah. I mean, on defense, it speaks volumes just in terms of how they do speak. The the, the talking with Javin Delore and Jack White, and Javin picked up a couple early fouls in the second half, which unfortunately 
prevented him from playing a lot of second half minutes, but what he did play, he made great contributions. But when he's on the court, him and Jack White, I mean, Jack White, just the way he talks on defense is so, it's so vital. Like, so vital. you got to have those types of guys with the freshmen. I mean, it's not normal to have, to have as aggressive a defensive unit when you have so many young players. The hardest thing as freshmen to come in and do is immediately play great team defense. And they were just harassing Kansas nonstop. Some of that is Kansas. They just weren't prepared like I feel, like I feel they could have been. It's kind of like Kentucky last year where – they were a bit shocked, and yeah, I mean, when you uh, turn it over 18 out of 37 possessions and a half, you would, you would think you'd be down a lot more than whatever that uh, first half score was. Uh, let me see. What, what, what it was 33-30. It was 33-30 at the half. Yeah, 33-30. So, yeah, I, I mean, uh, Dotson was kind of all over the place. I'm not, I'm not sure, but credit Trey for that. Definitely credit Trey. I mean, Trey's going to be somebody that – you just hope can take away that point guard no, no matter what. And I think what Duke did is really just prevent Kansas from getting into their offense. It's it's not just Kansas couldn't – it's not just Kansas failed at executing. Duke prevented them from even being able to get into a rhythm in their sets. They couldn't even get a good start on each possession. So credit Duke for that, but also recognize that Duke's not going to play too many teams with two bigs. With, uh, I mean, Oche Abaji was really the only threat to shoot outside. The same way Northwest Missouri State was outlier matchups, I think Kansas is outlier totally the other way. All right, so in terms of offense for Duke, uh, I think what this game showed blatantly, at least for me, was how obvious obvious it is in terms of what I said on the preview pod, how Basically, Alex O'Connell and Cassius Stanley are the only ones who can consistently be a threat to create for themselves and others off the bounce. With I do feel like Wendell Moore later in the season, not not now, not at this point, but he definitely has the potential to do it later in the season. But right now, I would say Alex O'Connell and Cassius Stanley are just so vital in the, in that way. So that's why I thought it was important how Kay ran a lot of pick and roll from Trey early on, a lot of pick and pop, got Matthew Hurt involved early. Um, I think Hurt, you, you saw his uh, potential weaknesses in terms of the strength and uh, I think the, some awareness on with defense. I, I think he just he showed the potential of what he can do. And again, same thing with everyone. They were playing against matchups, which Kansas was just not something you're going to see from a lot of teams in the way they played. I don't even think you're going to see it from Kansas too much this year anymore. Yeah, I, I thought it was good how there was some adjusting by Duke on defense. I, I really want that to be fluid throughout the season and throughout each game. So I, I like that. But in terms of uh, how, how, do you, how creative do you feel the offense was? Do you feel like, do you feel like there's, there's something that you would have liked to see? Do you feel like... It was good execution, not good X's and O's, good X's and O's, lack of execution. I mean, they, they, the stats aren't pretty, so uh, obviously the execution is not going to be wonderful. But how, how did you feel overall about the offense? I thought we looked a little more comfortable in half court than we may have last year a little bit. I think we looked a little more patient, look, moving the ball around, trying to get a good shot. I'll tell you what, we, we talked briefly the last – pod about how Vernon Carey mentioned he's never played in the post. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked pretty good and comfortable in the post. I thought he, he handled himself pretty well considering those, the bigs they have and the inside out. It just, it's tough because Trey obviously didn't hit any threes. He didn't shoot the ball well. Um, and if O'Connell's not out there, Stan or her, I mean, we don't really have anybody else who consistently can hit a shot, but I did like, I did feel that they, had some sort of half-court feel. They just – Kansas defensively is very good. Like, you could tell they're very good. So, I think it's going to be it's going to be different moving forward. And like you mentioned, we're not going to face a team that has that style of defense. And, and like you mentioned, they, they may not continue with that type of roster lineup because they're pretty limited offensively that way. But overall, I thought, I thought they looked pretty good. They just – they didn't shoot very well. I think at one point I saw there were four or fifteen from three. I don't know what they ended. Um, I know that it wasn't good. 
They were 4-15 at one point. I believe that was when Stanley hit his three but in the corner. But they just, I don't know. I think the potential is there for them to be a better half-court team this year. And just yesterday wasn't really that efficient. That's interesting. Similar to uh, similar to blue-white scrimmage in the exhibitions, the uh, actually no, Vernon Carey went two of two, but Cassius Stanley went one and one. And in, in the blue-white scrimmage in the exhibitions, usually whoever made it, like it was, they would never, they wouldn't shoot another. So uh, yeah, <laughs> All right, and, I'm and, good. but but uh, yeah, Ver, Vernon Carey. I don't know. It's it's interesting with him because. For some reason, I still don't trust his outside shot, but if he keeps making it, then I won't have a choice. It's kind of the opposite of somebody like um, like Cam Reddish, who it looks good, but eventually you're just going to have to say it. the results aren't really there. Same thing with Alex O'Connell. Yeah, it looks good. Everyone still keeps calling him a good, a good shooter, and hopefully he becomes one, but the bottom line is he doesn't make anything versus man. I mean, Vernon Carey, if he makes it, he makes it. And he was two of two. So we'll see how that goes. It's interesting because he, uh, he it looks really natural from outside. Mid-range, it, lo- it looks horrific. And I think, as you said, it's his first time playing in the post. So he he's actually very good at getting position. He's not a great finisher because I'm not sure he's really used to understanding how to use his size. I mean, he's so big. He's 270. Get to the rim. I mean... I think uh, what, what, one of the actually final plays of, of, of the game, he, he missed like a two-footer, which was just, you, you got you to gotta hit that. Let's see here. Yeah, missed like that 48 seconds where, it, it, I mean, that almost, you could say, not sealed the game because Duke was up 64-63 at that point, but it could have made a three-point game. And if not for Jack White, who knows what would have happened, but I think uh, that's something he's got to learn how to use his strength. Same thing with fouls on defense. Same thing with protecting the rim. I mean, there was one play where he just put his arms up on a play where you want to see that big man go for a block. And, I mean, be big. And another another play, he's hacking down on a guy. I think he just has to really learn how to play like an actual big. One thing I did like about him, though, is the same problem occurred as Northwest Missouri State, where he picked up two early fouls in the first half, and then he had to sit, so only eight first half minutes. But with Javin picking up some early second half fouls and giving him four, Vernon Carey, I mean, he had to stay in the game, and he did. 18 second half minutes. So I think that was great, just the fact that he was able to prove he could stay on the court. He's going to be really important for Duke and just to get that experience. I thought that was really huge. So Ver- Vernon Carey, I think the potential is there for more, but I don't mind anything I saw. I liked a lot of stuff. I don't think he was tested like he will be by guys who can really take him inside and out. And I think more teams will use him in ball screens much more than Kansas did. But I, I, I do think there's tons of positives to take away from Vernon Carey's performance against against Kansas, especially considering who he was going against and the way they were really being physical with him. Um, in terms of let, let's see who do I, who do I want to go to. Let's uh, real quick, oh, I mean, if yep. you don't mind, can we start a petition or do some pull the audience do something to get Cassius Stanley to shoot the ball a little more? I mean, his efficiency numbers are out of control. He was five of six yesterday. Like, I would like to just maybe see him chuck a couple more up there and see. Because, I mean, he just seems to be very confident in himself. And, and, and he's playing so well right now from what the numbers he's putting up. I just, I don't want him to be a, I want to see him shoot double-digit shots a game. Yeah, I guess I, I probably, I, I probably should just go game. to him. Because, I mean, in the, on the preview pod, I actually waited. I had him, like, the 11th guy. I uh, I went over um, in the uh, roster just because like I don't I don't know I feel like like this is that dude that's the X factor, but there's really no reason to kind of wait to talk about him I, I guess so let, let, yeah let's just go right to him. Cassius Stanley props to Coach K because he turned it over four times in the first half, and that's that's typically something where K's gonna pull you and. With the way he was being used in uh, the the, uh, scrimmage and the exhibition games, 
I wasn't sure what type of role. I mean, as I mentioned, he was so crazy efficient, and he looked so confident and so natural and so calm. And But who knows how, who knows the way that would translate. And it did, because once... I, I mean, first, the turnovers, I don't think they were even really bad. I mean, the first one came, he actually got an offensive rebound when Hurt bricked his first three-pointer, like, right off the backboard. And, oh, uh, yeah, so, that was a rock. Yeah, so Stanley got the offensive rebound, and uh, Kansas player, I think it was Garrett, kind of swiped in there and just got lucky and it hit off Stanley's knee. But, uh, I, I mean, even early on, there were some horrible passes Duke players were throwing. He made two two saves on passes, which should have been turnovers, just to kind of keep the offense going. And he was really, I mean, you could sense that he was comfortable out there, even if it was, even if it wasn't working out. I mean, so I never really got down on him, even in the first half, which is why, I mean, I'll kind of combine this with the other player, kind of putting in the same group. I think Alex O'Connell, what he did in the first half cannot go overlooked. I mean, I think it was huge. Just in the way he created action, it wasn't even scoring. It's, I mean, even on defense, he actually was yeah. really pretty good he on defense. He had a defense. nice play on defense. In that one. Yeah, he had a nice steal. Absolutely. And, I mean, he was all over the place. It's that hyperactive energy he provides which can lift the team, and he was using it in a positive way, and I think that was so necessary because Stanley was starting out with uh, – I, I, looking positive, uh, really making the right play. It just wasn't working out. So O'Connell, with that little more experience, I think what he did in the first half, you could almost consider, I think many expect him to make the uh, make three-pointers. He made a corner three. I would almost consider that a bonus with all the other positive aspects he provided on defense and in uh, in the half court. So I thought he was really, really good for Duke in that first half. And I'm not sure how it would have been without him because there really wasn't much going on with Duke's half court. Besides that, they were kind of just trying different things, but O'Connell was really getting results. And I mean, then the second half happened and kind of went back to, uh, he just misses everything. But uh, I mean, I mean, still just the way he, he livened up that Duke offense in the first half was huge. And then, and then Stanley was just absurd in the second half. I mean, Stanley, uh, I mean, one thing I, I mentioned in the reviewing the blue-white scrimmage immediately was how it doesn't get talked about enough in terms of freshmen being able to finish with their opposite hand. That's something Vernon Carey and Cassius Stanley can do, and that's not something which should be taken for granted. I mean, you, even look at RJ, RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, Marvin Bagley, Grayson Allen, none of them. Really, like, it It was, like, RJ made a, made a shot at the end of the game with, with his right against Wake Forest last year, which was basically a game-winning shot. And I, it, it blew me away because, like, he made maybe, like, two opposite-handed shots his whole, the whole season. It was just something he couldn't do. And it's just so great to see. I mean, Stanley, it's so natural, his left hand. And he scored with his left at least three times. And uh, in the blue-white scrimmage, I remember Vernon Carey, he he, uh, he made a drop step score with his right because uh, he's left-handed. Um, but Stanley, I mean, what he was doing, I mean, it just looked – he's making pro moves, like pro moves. There's no other way to say it. And, uh, I mean, he even got a high screen in, in the second half and just basically he was that dude. You just say, go get a bucket, and he got a bucket. So, I mean, he's turning into that guy immediately. Like, from, from someone who well, was something like the 33rd-ranked recruit or whatever he was in RSCI, that's why I say, like, who cares what they're ranked in recruiting? Duke has not had great results in, in that range of recruits. So, but who cares? Just see how he is, and this guy's ready for the big time. He is absolutely ready. I don't know if it'll translate consistently, but it sh I haven't seen any reason why it won't i mean on defense on offense i think he's a playmaker he can make plays for others i think he can even run back a point guard at times there's just i mean he i think he's actually the only guy who shot above 50 percent or even 50 percent yesterday 
he is going to be in a, in a year where offense might be a struggle at times. You can, I, I think he can be a go-to immediately. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of him just from the one game watching him. He just has a, he has a confidence about him and an aura about him that, that he's just, he's just very, he looks very calm out there to me. So he looks, he looked at, he made the right decision, uh, attacking the basket. The ability to hit a free throw down the stretch is something as a Duke fan that I can respect these days. So, he just looked like he wanted the ball in the moment. He he made a play, and I think, you know, that and one that he went to his left was obviously the turning point. I believe in that part of the game, but he just he just seems to have a a confidence and a swag about him. But he's also seems pretty quiet too. So just kind of goes about his business. So you ever seen a Saturday Night Live skit the Californians? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Like yeah, I'm sorry, like the, the I don't mirror. mean this as yeah. it's a, like his interviews after he like, he's like you want to take the four or four, but I, I much <laughs> much love much love to uh, Cassius Stanley. Nobody should take that as an insult. It's, it's just funny to me because hey, he is from Cali. Um, sure. In terms of I, I mean, it was basically him and Jack White at the end of the game, just doing making play after play after play. I mean, Jack White steal for uh, a Cassius three. What was that at? Uh, Around like nine forty-five. At that point, let's let's see what what was the score. I think that was when I was think many actually thing. thought the game was yeah. getting out of hand. Um, so let's see here. Uh, at nine forty-five. Not me, of course. <laughs> Not you. Actually, no. That it was still close at that point, <laughs> and that that actually put. Uh, yeah, I mean they were down four, and that brought them back down to three. So. Uh, yeah, that, that that was big by him, right right there. And uh, another, I mean, just talking about things that should make you excited. Here's something. I mean, because I don't want to just go down listing one by one. I talked a lot about post entries and how that's something that they need to work on, and it's not looking good. And there was still some issues. But talking about Vernon Carey carving out position. And getting him the ball in the right place at the right angle when necessary. Trey's bounce pass to Vernon Carey in half court with 8.43 left and Carey finished and won. I mean, wasn't just the finish. That was a perfect entry pass by Trey along with great spacing on offense to get it in there. Because it came from up top. It was just, it was perfect. So props to Trey for that entry pass right there. Besides that, I mean, it, it just came down to Stanley over and over and over. It was Jack White would make a play, then Stanley w- w- would hit the shot and be, became. I mean, Trey hit the Trey made score the last six points, but I mean, I, I just can't say enough about those two players and how how crazy it is for Jack White to again be that dude at Madison Square Garden. Uh, a little more over a year after he did it against Texas Tech. So it's a good reminder of kind of how important those types of guys are. I mean, Jack White with the block at 815. Uh, with Jack White, I mean, just the alpha glue guy stuff he did with the steals and the pass and the offensive rebounds. I mean, the hustle, the, the hustle back down the court and the steal he made on the final possession with... Uh, what was it, 31 seconds left, something yep. like that? Uh, it was 33 seconds left to be exactly. He caught up and stole past by McCormick. And again, that's one of those things where Kansas bigs, they just weren't adept at making plays. I mean, that was it. I mean, even Trey Jones, his shot that kind of bounced around before, that came uh, that put Duke up 64-61, that came off a Jack White offensive rebound. Jack White was just doing everything. The the big uh, the big Cassius Stanley three pointer from the corner came off came off Jack White. I mean he 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 made the play on the other end. So he was just doing. I mean I call it alpha glue guy stuff. Just play after play after play. So is there anything you want to say about Jack White? I mean obviously, at least for me, I feel like anyone that kind of gets crapped on. Um, as he did last year and has been through stuff, 
I, it always makes me kind of extra happy when they, when they bounce back and show the mental toughness and just show what I knew he could do anyway. If he can just hit a shot occasionally, he did hit a three-point shot. There's just no reason why he shouldn't be consistently in the rotation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The, um, everywhere from the fact of him almost getting his teeth knocked out on a play on the defensive end, the cut above his eye, the... You know, he didn't come out of the game for any of that. He had that one shot where he hit the three at the top of the key, and then he had another one where they wanted to, uh, when he post, I think he fed, uh, I believe it was Vernon Carey, and Carey kicked it right back out to him and hit every ounce of the basket of, of the rim except for going in. I mean, Jack White looked, he looked comfortable yesterday. He looked like the Jack White of last year around the garden in that time of the year. It, he just looked more comfortable. He looked like he was pressing a little less and, and I don't know it, that we might be sitting here, zero and one if if he doesn't hustle back on that defensive play because that's obviously the play of the game that that he saved. But he he had his hand in pretty much most of them down the stretch. Okay, with as many turnovers as Kansas has, see this is this is the thing where I haven't had the chance to totally rewatch everything all over again. Um, I've watched some stuff, but. I'd be really interested to see exactly what happened with live ball turnovers compared to just turnovers because everyone sees turnovers and points off turnovers. I'm not sure why it's not made like a more, not just a separate stat, but a more, a more important stat, points off live ball turnovers because, sure. I mean, that's what gets you going on the fast break. That's what gets the energy up, and that's what really what many, I think, would call the turning point with the two turnovers leading to fast break assists from Trey Jones to Cassius Stanley for dunks is you could just feel the energy rise to another level and it was so big because uh I mean what was the point where Kansas was up the most when I'm sure many thought it was a done deal what was there that was, it was 46 37 sure I was gonna say you could probably go back and look at the text because that was Probably when I was in the heat of my moment. So, yeah, and actually, I mean, two players hit threes after that. Do you remember? Do you remember who? Can you guess who? Um, it was Hurt hit a three, and then it was Hurt hit a three, and it was 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 it Jack White's? All right, Vernon Carey hit a three, and then yes, Jack White. So I mean, I we talk it. about how anybody yeah. you got you gotta basically. Re- Everyone's going to be relied upon. I think those two players, you're going to say, who's going to hit a three? Those two players might not be Manny's first thought. And yet, there you go. So, But but still, they kind of closed, but Kansas is still up 47-43. And then there was a uh, steal by Trey, dunk to Stanley. There was... Uh, there was uh, Jack White got a defensive rebound. And, and uh, again, Trey... Pass to Stanley, dunk. And it was just, it wasn't just like kind of a nice easy layup. It was that electrifying dunk. I mean, Stanley, the one thing you never have to worry about is athleticism for him. I mean, again, it's it's almost like the athleticism's taken a back seat, at least in my mind, because he's he's proven to be such a just a really good basketball player. And that's what happened with Zion. Although Zion made it get pretty damn impossible to uh to see it that way because he would just like jump over the backboard half the time. So even oh. even no matter how good he was playing, there would always be a play which is your jaw would drop and it was impossible uh-huh. to see him as just hey he's playing good basketball. No, he's like a free he's like an alien from another planet. Um, Cassius Stanley, I think he's playing such good basketball at least from what I've seen, which is still a small sample size that it almost kind of the athleticism is taking a back seat. Although I think casual fans, that's all they know about him. Right now is whatever like whatever his uh, whatever record he set for like a high jump or vertical or whatever it was at Duke. I don't really know that stuff, but I, I think he set some sort of record. But I, I I think that's he's impressing me with what he can do on the court, offense, defense, and everything. Um, in terms of uh, other things that stuck out to me, I'm not gonna um, go over too much on this. This is going to be more like a kind of during the season. I mean, even during the during the off season. I think last year, I don't even think I recorded a pod from uh, like after Indiana. I don't think I recorded another one until after Texas Tech because it was just so 
it didn't matter. So I'll see how it goes. I mean, this team, I might want to track them a little more, but uh, the pods, they're not going to be um, as in-depth as long just because, I mean, there's only so much to say at certain times, although I could also say that the reason they weren't as long last year was because last year the team pretty much was what it was at a certain point. But so this team will be interesting. I think that's what makes this team one of the more interesting teams that I've seen it do just because they're so different than anyone. I mean, you want to call them an old-school team. They don't have the experience of an old-school team. They're not anything close to like a, like the teams during the one-and-done era. But either way, um, so I, I think one thing that needs to improve, I talked about live ball uh, turnovers and finishes, uh, converting uh, live ball turnovers into finishes. Alex O'Connell and Wendell Moore were 0 of 7 in transition. That needs to improve. In transition, you you, you got to finish because half court will be a work in progress. So you got to convert those transition buckets when you have the chance. Wendell Moore was used, I would say, as the initiator a couple times by Coach K, and there were some there were some ugly possessions, especially there was a rough patch where, I mean, it was the first half from 15 minutes to 13:42, pick and roll. Uh, he he got he got a pick a high screen, then he got too deep, stepped on the line for a turnover, then later he missed a follow that actually came after an Alex O'Connell follow. Both of them were wide open, and then the next possession after that, he missed a wide open layup on a great outlet from Trey ahead of the pack. I mean, this team every possession points are going to matter. Their defense is great, but they're not going to be up as many by as much as some of these other teams where these other teams they like last year's team last year's duke team they could afford to kind of throw away a possession if you want to call it that this team can't you got to convert when you have the opportunity so wendell moore there were some rough patches but one thing i made sure to uh to emphasize in the in the preview part is i would let him play through mistakes as much as as Possible as much as it makes sense to do. And I think Coach K did a great job of that. He still got minutes. I think, what did he get total? Was it like 12 minutes, something like that? Like six and a half? Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, he officially, he got, uh, yeah, 12 minutes. But it, it did seem like he played more than that. It seemed like he was in for important minutes and he was still put in a position where he wasn't just standing around. He was put in a position where... He was really initiating the offense. So I like that. Struggled. But I think, again, you have to kind of see him as someone who you're playing for the long run now. And, yeah, he's a negative right now on offense. But he, he is a positive on defense. And and I think by the end of the season, you're going to see glimpses of what he could be. There was actually a hesitation. It was 945 of the first half. We got a high screen and just made a beautiful play. Finished at the rim. And it's just right there, just kind of take a mental photograph and try to, not speaking to anyone specific, try to understand, try to not overreact to the plays he's making, which right now are not great. They're not helping the team, obviously, but I'm sure he realizes that. So it's just a learning experience for him. And you just have to hope he gets better throughout the season. Jordan Goldwire, I thought KO did a great job of, gave him minutes. But I think uh, he took him out kind of knowing that Goldwire wasn't having a big positive impact on the game. I mean, there it was. I mean, I saw actually that Garrett was kind of picking on him at times, and he just really wasn't doing anything. He will do many things to help in many games this season, but I think this this first game was one where it's just. Let's try another option. And he still got minutes. What do you got, like 14 or something? But I, I think Kay was smart there. I mean, and I, Kay actually made a quote after the game, said, I'm not used to subbing. Like last year, it was like one guy or whatever. He's like, so I don't know. Maybe I did a good job. Maybe I didn't. It'll kind of be a learning experience for me. And I, I mean, with, with that, you always have to kind of understand Kay's saying stuff for a very for a point. Like he wants you to kind of interpret it a certain way. But even so, I would like to think that's kind of a, hey, Kay's being self-aware. He's understanding that, yeah, he hasn't used big rotations much. And he understands this year it is going to be different. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so I like the way 
He kept Stanley in even after the early mistakes, and he used um, he used Goldwire and more in a uh, in a moderate way. So uh, let's move to um, Hurt. How do you what do you think of Hurt? Yeah, I think I think he he showed glimpses of what his ability can be. You, like you mentioned, he's he's. I wouldn't know if he, I wouldn't say he's a complete liability on defense, but you could tell he's not there defensively. But he, you know, he had some big shots. His ability to be a matchup nightmare, being able to shoot from the perimeter. Um, he, I, I, I like his game. I just think that he needs some work on the defensive end, and if he's going to play huge minutes or whatever down the stretch, like we need him to do, just because of his offensive ability, that's something that that they're going to continuously have to work on because. Um, you know, it was noticeable. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I I will repeat what I said. I think this game, as good as the Northwest Missouri State matchup was for him, I said that was like optimal. That was perfect. This was, I mean, in, I think with Trey's inability to really, really make defenses, I think Trey still has to prove he can just beat somebody off the drive before he gets consistently doubled. So if he's not going to get doubled, it's tough to get hurt a lot of wide open shots. I think there were a, a bunch of pick and pops, which I think did get him some uh, pretty good looks. And uh, there were some nerves at first. He showed glimpses. I think Billis was just like crazy high in him in a kind of unnecessary way at times. I think everyone knows he's talented. Billis was acting like he was like a Hall of Famer with everything he was doing, and which I couldn't quite understand. But he Billis said like also, Larry Bird. He threw Larry Bird out there on one of the shots, and I was like, Yeah, yeah I mean, let's chill out, Billis. <laughs> Billis also <laughs> said, Hey, maybe Duke could start Cassius Stanley at some point. It's like, Hey, dude, he started tonight. Maybe. Uh... <laughs> all right, all right. I'm so, I love Jay Billis. He's good. He's good. But like. Let's pay attention to what's going on. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, Hurt, I mean, he did the – the uh, he made one bucket from mid-range where he actually pushed off. But uh, I guess he was slick enough where he, he wasn't called for it. So maybe he can develop little things that he can get – just little things that will free him up because, again, strength is not a strong point um, for him. So I, th- I think it's going to just be interesting to see how he is versus – different types of opponents and whether Duke can play him at the five. Cause again, I mean, this is just like teams are not going to play two bigs. They're just not. And in the second half, Kansas really didn't as much when Kerry was out. I would say they could have used him a little more, but I don't know. I, I, I would say right now it's just, it's pointless to go too in depth into every little detail. So, uh, I mean, I will say, I loved, I, I mean, I've been over the Trey Jones pick and roll thing many times. What I think they could do to help him out, because he's not as quick twitch, because he doesn't have that outside shot, which will automatically make defenses, it'll put them kind of uh, off balance on the pick and roll. I would like to see Duke use him more kind of with early action, creating momentum into the pick and roll. Because usually they just have a guy like Javin or Carey or Hurt kind of set a high screen and Trey like comes toward it, towards it and then makes a decision. I would like to see it set up so the action's already moving Trey into it. And that allows him because, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure you've seen like when they, when they use um, horn sets – I think they do a great job of him, like, really coming around um, the, the edge, coming around the elbow, taking that handoff, and then just shooting on in. And that allows Trey to really get momentum. So I think it's big to get him momentum, and that'll allow him to make more plays because he just, it's not, he doesn't have as natural athletic ability, which is definitely not saying he doesn't have athletic ability. He has insane athletic ability. But just to help him out in terms of as a playmaker, the same way Michigan State does it with Cassius Winston is not the most athletic guy in the world the same way. But they really do a good job of running. Uh, they really move him into action very early in the offense. So that way he's in control of the defense. And I think you could do that with Trey as well. So that's, that's just a thought. Um, in, in terms like who knows and I just have to keep hoping that things are going to change game to game I think Javin did a great job when he was in the early fouls in the second half um, hurt 
But uh, I, th- I think he did when he was in there. I mean, he still led Duke in offensive rebounds. He was creating. I mean, on offense, I think he's the best at setting screens. I think he throws great entry passes. I mean, the, the sucky thing is like it was almost like he almost put too much trust in a herd on one play because he picked up a foul because he was high low and hurt was on Azubuki down low and hurt had position. He actually was sealing Azubuki off and Javin sees that he's like, Oh look, Matthew hurts stealing Azubuki off. Like literally you probably have like a quarter of a second before that all goes wrong. And Javin threw the pass, like before he was even like halfway there. It was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. So Kansas got on the break, and Javin picked up a foul there. And it's like, I love him putting that trust in a hurt, but I don't know. I mean, you kind of, in a way, I think Javin is so important. Like, he's gotten so much better at not picking up silly fouls. I think it needs to even pick up another level of, like, be even smarter because this team needs you. And they did – they picked up a win without him getting – a ton of minutes, especially not in the second half. But I think he is going to be vital. So I think uh, some of the fouls he picked up just give up the points. I mean, they kind of think about kind of the good of the overall team instead. I mean, Jack White was huge. Is there is there anyone else that uh, I haven't talked about? I mean, O'Connell, again, I think the first half action he created and better than average defense were what was a huge and underrated factor of the game. And uh, when he makes a shot outside, I think you just got to consider it a bonus because he is an energy guy. And while the second half wasn't quite as productive as the first half, I think it still puts pressure on the defense. So I don't know. I, I think that I think that pretty much sums it up. I, I mean, bottom line, this Duke team, you just, they, it's every game. Just take a win however you get it. I know it's so different than anything in recent years, but I guess it's a matter of that kind of word of ceiling, potential. What is their ceiling? Because other, other teams, you would immediately know. I mean, they're so crazy athletic. Their ceiling is sky high. Now, what are they going to do to get there? This team, I think the key for me is to take a mental snapshot of uh, Game 1 versus Kansas. I would even say Blue-White Scrimmage and uh, the the Northwest Missouri State Exhibition State and just see game to game how they develop, how they improve, hey, if they improve, and just take it bit by bit because otherwise, if if you look at them the same way as you do these recent teams... I mean, it's going to be tough mentally on whoever does that because if bottom line is all that matters, there might be some tough times. They're a much, much better defensive team. Their identity is going to be defense, but they do have some similarities to 2007. And, I mean, that was the last team which really struggled. I mean, that team, I believe, was 22-11, and 8-8 in the ACC. This team is better than that. This team is much better than that, but... Uh, I mean, especially with the defense. I think if the defense can really create opportunities on the break, I think it, it can rise up a level. And, hey, you, you have Cassius Stanley, who, at least at this point, looks like he could already be the go-to guy. You got Matthew Hurt, who's just starting to kind of show what he can do, and we'll see. He'll be definitely a guy that, as the season progresses, I think he'll – you can you'll be able to see his versatility come out and uh, Vernon Carey. He I mean his decision making in the post. I like it. I think he, I think there's a lot to like about Vernon Carey. I mean if he can make the outside shots, which I'm still not sure, that'd be great on defense. That's my worry with him. That is my worry when they play the normal types of opponents. But yeah, I think bottom line there, there's a lot. I I don't see how. It's not all positive coming out of this game, at least for me, from what I saw about this team. I think for them to come out with a win, no matter how ugly it was against a team like Kansas, just take it. And uh, I think for me, I'm I'm excited about what's to come. Yeah, I'm, (laughs) um, I'm excited, but I'm also 
I guess it's just going to have to be a, it's a change of guard. You know, it's like a different, I'm so used to, you know, the 90s playing in the upper nineties and running up and down and throwing alleys. And uh, so this team's going to be different. This team is more traditional style basketball and what Duke used to be back in the day. And coach K had actually interviewed coach K before the game. And he mentioned that what's different about this team this year is because last year, they had their starting five and then such a huge dip in talent from there down. So this year he said it's a little different because he feels like he has a lot more options and in, in areas where he can throw out different combinations and see what's working and go with the hot hand. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see how, how they grow as a team in terms of, um, you know, they were mentioning that Trey mentioned something in an interview also that he, He's like, we're not going to have guys that are scoring 22 a game or 23 a game. We're going to have a bunch of guys that score 16, 14, 11. And I I, I think in terms of winning in college basketball right now with that type of basketball, I mean, I think think those are the kind of teams that have been winning. You know, like the teams over the past, like the Villanovas. uh, They never – they had a couple guys that scored a lot. For the most part, they had good rosters overall. So I think that – you know, I'm interested to see how they continue to to play together and grow together. And, you know, it's definitely going to be a different type of year. But like you mentioned, 1-0 and all after playing Kansas, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, the teams that you compare to, like the Villanova and the way that Kay says it's old school, I understand. But I think it's also important to understand that those teams were experienced. Those teams, the, the players sure. who were scoring there, they had been through stuff. And yeah. so it's just, it's very... I mean, this team, yeah, you never know where the points are coming from. But I do understand what you mean in terms of simply working for shots. I still, nothing will ever escape, or or this will never escape my mind of, I believe it was the 2016, I don't think it was the the World Championships, because that was in between the Olympics, where Paul George, like, he was interviewed, and he was just like, dude, we're not running any offense. Like, teams know what we're going to do. It was against Serbia. And, I mean, that was just what Kay was doing at the time. It was just this spread offense that he was using with, like, the 2016-2017 teams with guys that could just get buckets whenever. But, that I mean, I mean it's, it's basically just you have these studs. Now you don't. So now you're going to need to actually rely on that old-school type of offense. And if you say this to any fan of a mid-major team, they are going to hate you for the rest of your life. But I will say the type of offense – they're running in the types of offensive players. It is kind of more like a mid-major system where it's just do what you have to do to get guys open, rely more on the system, which is why I have kind of, whether it's legit or not, I've kind of put more pressure on Coach K for that fluid adaptation, game to game, in game. It needs to be because this team is going to need as much help as possible. But... I will finish with this. We did uh, we did the deep dive on w- what teams succeed the most. Well, I think that was a part of uh, stats which stick out. The teams that are, that's, that are that ach- have achieved the highest success at Duke, there is no doubt about it. No matter who plays or what, or it's it's the best defensive teams. No matter what the offense is, the offense is always pretty good. It's the defensive teams which achieve the highest success. I mean, so anybody who wants to compare to 2012, 2014, 2016, or whatever, those teams were crappy defensive teams. This is not. Whatever happens with this team, they are going to attack on defense. Doesn't mean they'll lock everyone down, but it's going to be fun. I mean, it is a very, I mean, to say Duke is going, it's the blue-collar Dukies, Sounds it it's almost ironic, but but is that what they are this year? The the blue collar Dukies pour, pour out pour out a forty on Coach K's fortieth year for the blue collar Dukies. Wait, no, that would mean that that would be the death of them. Never mind. <laughs> so, uh, but would you say they're the blue collar Dukies in a way? Yeah, I mean they're like the you know the the old Billis saying you know get your lunch lunch pail type of basketball players that you know the. You know, the guys that are just going to do whatever they have to do and grit out wins and and win close ones and play hard and dive. And, like, 
that that's the type of Duke that I fell in love with back in the day. Was the, where the Wojo was sliding across the court, and the, you know, I think I think this is that style of team where where they take pride in getting the stop, and you look at tournaments and you know, being able to get a stop in a big game. Who do you, who would you say is going to be the first Duke player to slap the floor of the season? Slap the floor. It's going to be hundred percent. It's going to be Jack White. Ooh. I think it's going to be Jack White. See, I, I would have predicted you would say Trey Jones. I th- I'm going with Jordan Goldwire. Yeah, well, the Jordan Thornton. Yeah, the new the new Tyler Thornton. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we got. Let's see here. We got Colorado State November eighth. Uh, it's Friday. Central Arkansas Tuesday November twelfth. Georgia State on Friday November fifteenth before the two K Classic. I will say, uh, <laughs> there was a point. I think it was like sixteen minutes. I actually posted on Twitter where Mike Buckmeyer was talking mad crap to one of the Kansas players. And I actually said I'm recording a, a, a Duke-Kansas reaction pod tonight, and I, I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to uh, praise him or lash out at him for doing that. I've decided I want to praise him. I want, but so Because I was thinking initially Duke should just leave him in New York till they come back for the 2K Classic, but he can come back home to Durham. I've, just, I've decided I'll be – I'll be nice. It's the early holiday spirit. So, uh, but Buckmeyer better behave himself. It's too early for shenanigans. It's too early. Team All Buckmeyer. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that that sums everything up. Uh, so again, they got uh, three games. I would say you can kind of expect to win, at least by a decent margin, and just improve as it happens. So I'm not sure. Uh, might be a pod next week. To just because I said this will this team will be fun to kind of track to follow and everything so I'll be uh, keeping up with the team I'll be giving my thoughts but great first win over Kansas I don't care if it was aesthetically pleasing the the pleasing aspect is they beat a hell of a team and it was just a great great night for a Duke team that I think really can could have benefited or did benefit from a great start to the season. So, Joe, thanks for joining me, as always, for the Duke Basketball Corner Pod. I am Adam Comro, and I will be talking to you soon.